Good to see everybody tonight. Let's all stand. We'll open up. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, Father. Amen. We give you glory and honor. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for your blessings, O oh Lord. Thank you for your, amen, your goodness, Father, your faithfulness, your mercies. Amen, Lord, your grace, O oh God. Lord, as we're gathered here tonight, Lord, we pray that you would look down upon us, that you would give us grace in your sight, Lord, that you would quicken us, lift us up, Lord, that we can abide with you, Lord, in your presence, O oh God, in those heavenly places, O oh Lord. And Father, that you would minister to every heart, Lord, in this place, to every family, Lord, every household that is represented, Lord. We pray that you would move for your people, God, that you would continue to minister, Lord, and supply the needs that they have, Father. So I pray, God, that you, O oh Lord, would move in a mighty way, Lord, for your people. And Lord, in this place tonight, God, Lord, that your spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth, O oh Lord. Open up our ears, Lord, that we may hear, and our eyes that we may see, our hearts that we can be converted unto you. Bind us together that we can be, Lord, one body in one place. Together, Father, amen, Lord, in unity and harmony, in faith, in truth, in love, O oh God. Pour out your Spirit upon us, O oh Lord, in this place. Give your people, O oh Lord, victory, O oh Father. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done, O oh God. Bless us in this place, O oh God. This we ask in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen, Lord. Let it be done, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody give the Lord a hand clap.
time. Send the light. Be the light. We were driving around, and I don't know if you noticed, but they're building another church down there by the high school. And uh, and I don't I don't think of them as competition because we have the truth. But I mean, in times of need, people know who they can run to. They know, and and we look different. We are different. We're set apart. That reminds me of that time. Uh, Somebody from back home needed prayer, and he said, call those people that wear dresses. <laughs> yes, call them. That's it. But I mean, you know, they know. They know that we know. We got to be there. Have that light. Sister Marquita has that light. When we first got in church, back in church, that was 10 years ago, 11 years ago, she babysat or something, and they left, and Dane looked at me. He said, Mom, how come they're always smiling and laughing? I'm like, that's the Lord. That's that. <laughs> Gotta be the light, saints.
It will never, never, never lose its power. Praise God. That's a amen. A song that hasn't lost any of its God, its anointing, and as we say, it points us to what the Lord has done for us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And it will definitely never, never, never lose its power. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we're getting closer to Brother Gabriel Reynolds coming to join us next week. And uh, heard from him yesterday. <coughs> yeah, yesterday. And he's in Tennessee right now preaching revival, but they're looking forward to coming this direction. So we just wanted to Amen say praise the Lord and as soon as they're done in Tennessee they'll be headed this way. So pray for Brother Reynolds and his wife. And uh, they're scheduled to come in on Tuesday, so praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's always good to be able to come and to be ministered to, to hear the word, and look forward to, amen, when we have services like that, and try to keep ourselves, keep ourselves in God's grace, and amen. Lord willing, Lord willing, we'll uh, be having another visiting minister, if I can, uh, if it works out, and I'm not going to say who it's going to be, but uh, in December, so hallelujah. So let's be praying for God's, as the Bible says, he sent his word and he healed them. And we always need to be ministered to by the word, through the word, and praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We want to resume. We want to continue on with our study of the holy place. And uh, speaking about this area right here, you can see the diagram, the holy place coming in to the tabernacle. Of course, those three articles of furniture, the table of showbread and the candlesticks are the lampstands and the altar of incense. And uh, so speaking of, of those in, in the representation, if, if everybody remembers basically what they represent, what they're a type of, and obviously the Lord Jesus Christ and the table of showbread, just a little bit of going back just to familiarize ourselves with it, the table of showbread speaking about the bread of life amen him being our spiritual food and the priests had to amen uh, partake of the showbread as they ministered in the 
tabernacle before the Lord. And uh, everything as far as the, the showbread was put in order. There was a certain order they had to uh, take from the showbread to eat. And uh, amen. And then the candlesticks. And what should be truly uh, are, are uh, translated as the lampstand, but they, they refer to it as a candlestick, the lampstand. Um, the, in the Hebrew, the word menorah. That's where that comes from, menorah. So uh, the lampstand. And I, I just want to, uh, uh, meaning, uh, typifying Jesus Christ as the light of the world. The light of the world. And of course, we will touch on the altar of incense in a few moments here, but I just want to go back and I, I just want to uh, just finish some uh, thoughts on on the lampstand. Uh, we got to the point where we got to almost got to the end of our lesson, but we'll just kind of finish up where we started. And uh, Leviticus uh, chapter 24 and verse uh, verse number two. Amen. And we see here Leviticus, uh, Leviticus chapter 24 and right on verse number two. If you have it, say amen. 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 <laughs> it says, uh, Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure olive oil beaten for light to cause the lamps to burn continually. To cause the lamps to burn continually. So we see that and you can go Swing back into Exodus 27, I believe it is. Let me make sure it's right. Exodus 27, uh, beginning right around verse number uh, 20, 20, the verse right around verse number 20, Exodus 27. And here we'll see uh, more scripture speaking in the same manner. Uh, verse number 20, And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure oil olive beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. So there we have some more instruction. To cause the lamp to burn always. So it was the, amen, the task of the priest as they went into minister they went into minister every day before the Lord and of course they were given instructions not to let the the candles or the candlestick the, the lampstand to burn out so it was to burn continually so they were obviously in charge of amen the maintenance of the lampstand so that there would always be light there would always be light inside the holy place. Inside the holy place. So there was that admonition and that 
commandment given to cause the light to burn continually. In other words, you're to keep it lit. There's always to be light inside the holy place. Maintenancing the lampstand. And that's just, amen, like our our uh, admonition and our responsibility to maintenance our salvation. To keep the light in us. That's what we're supposed to do. Praise God. So we have to make sure that there's going to be an ample supply of pure olive oil in our lampstand. Because we don't want the light of God to go out. That's what that basically means. That's beautiful, isn't it? So we see that. That's the admonition given to us. And you think about it, you know, when we talk about salvation... You know, people misinterpret, by grace ye are saved. And, and when we talk about grace, God has given us grace. We have come to the knowledge of the truth. But, you know, we, we need to do our part as far as maintaining our salvation. And the Apostle Paul speaks of that when he said that, amen, that we are to seek out our own salvation with fear and with trembling. So we're to do what we need to do to maintain our salvation <clears throat> amen and keep <coughs> excuse me keep the light burning in us and uh, go with me to first Samuel chapter 3 here here we see uh, uh, an account in the in the Old Testament concerning the lampstands of course in the days of Eli, the priest, chapter 3 in 1 Samuel. And, and we see here where it says here in, in verse number 1 in chapter 3, it says, uh, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. And it came to pass that at the time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. So here we see, amen, in this, in this account given in the scripture, Eli the high priest, of course, this is when the tabernacle was situated in Shiloh, who was in charge, amen, of the tabernacle. And because the Bible says his eyes became to wax dim, he couldn't see very well. So because of his loss of sight, didn't realize that the candles, the lampstand, began to wax, uh, began to go out. And the lamp went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was and Samuel was laid down to sleep. So we see that all, all this, if you read this story, if you read this story, this is an account, you'll find out because of this happening, because of the negligence of Eli the high priest and even of his sons, amen, it was, there were some consequences to the negligence. So as a result, guess what? Uh, the man of God spoke concerning Eli because 
because of his, uh, how could you say, his, his slackness and his complacency, his attendance to the things in the holy place, in the tabernacle, that he didn't really realize what was going on. And of course, because of his, his lack of uh, eyesight, didn't recognize that, that the candlesticks were going dim and eventually they, they went out and praised God. So that brought God's judgment upon the family of Eli. And if you read the rest of this story, you're going to find out his sons Phineas and, and uh, uh, his other son uh, obviously fell in battle because of their sin. And, and uh, so this was brought on. So, amen, the Lord spoke and, and said, and, and then one of his, one of his uh, son, grandsons that was born uh, right after all this happened, all of this uh, tragedy happened with Samuel, uh, with uh, Eli and his two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, that, uh, amen, they all, uh, they all perished. And then his grandson was born. And so they named his, they gave him the name Ichabod. Ichabod. Does anybody know what Ichabod means? The glory of God has departed. Remember, we talked about it Sunday concerning the priest's garments. Glory, Kabod. Kabod. So when the glory of God departed, Amen. And that was spoken. They said, Ichabod. Ichabod, the glory of God has departed. So when the lamp, when the lamp went out, when it burned out, when they let the lamp of God burn out, guess what? The glory of God departed. So now you see the importance. Saints. Now you see the importance. And remember the parables about the foolish virgins. Praise God. The ten virgins, five were wise, five were foolish. And the only reason why five were foolish is because they did not trim their lamps, did not take care of the oil, did not maintain and make sure that there was enough oil in their lamps to burn so they could have light. Praise God. So that's what happens when you neglect neglect praise God so we're we're admonished of course by the scriptures and Jesus Christ we know that he said that he in, in John and this is just a little review so you can freshen uh, your your memory a little bit but in John chapter 8 verse number 12 it, we talked about Jesus amen saying that he was the light of the world. And then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of men. Will not walk in darkness, but shall have the light, amen, of life. Amen. So we see that. So Jesus is the light of the world. So that's the reason why Amen. And, and he, he has called us, He has called us to be the light of the world. <coughs> I know Sister Melissa mentioned that earlier about 
this church being the light of the world. We are the light of the world. Amen. Amen. So remember that. Praise God. We got to maintain our walk with God, maintain our salvation. Let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verses number uh, 14 through 16. And we see here Jesus speaking in the parables and saying this. He said, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on an hillside cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So we're to let our light shine before men. How are we going to do that? We have to maintain our salvation. Amen. We've got to maintain our salvation. We've got to, and as we're going to touch on that in a few moments here, we've got to make sure that our light is shining. And so, and we're to walk as children of light. Ephesians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul admonished us to walk as Children of light. Praise God. So he says, in verse number 14, he says, uh, back up a little bit to verse number 9. We'll just go back a little bit. Well, Let's back up to verse number 8, I guess. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, that's where you're going to go. That's the fruit you're going to bear. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. What is acceptable unto the Lord. Have, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. I want to say something. Everybody paying attention? You can't hide nothing from God. You might attempt to, but you can't hide anything from God. Because the light will make manifest and that's what he said. He said, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. Guess what that's going to be? The, the Bible says manifest means this. It's going to make evident. So in other words, even though you try to hide, even though you may abide in the darkness and you try to hide, 
guess what? It's not gonna, you're not going to do any good hiding because the light is going to make manifest. It's going to reprove what's in the darkness. It's going to make evident even those we think we can hide. Now I'm going to say something. Fellowship is important. Yes. And if we walk in the light, we're going to have fellowship with one another. And we're going to have fellowship with Him because He is the light. So here, here's another test. Here's another way that we can determine or discern the people of God. People who claim to be Christians. When you fail to fellowship the body of Christ. When you fail to fellowship. Guess what? We're all called to come. Right. Amen. Amen. We're, we're all called to come. Everything that we do throughout this week, throughout the week, every week, our routine, this body, Amen. Bible study, prayer, yeah. huh? Yeah. Sunday school, yeah. evangelistic service. Those are God's, amen, appointed times of assembly. But if we fail to come, when God calls us to come, those are His appointed times. Guess what? That means that we're not in the fellowship. So when you can't fellowship, when you can't walk in the light, that tells me you're not walking in the light when you can't fellowship. Hallelujah. That's a test. That's a way to tell. Amen. We're talking about the light, so. But verse number 13, but all things are reproved. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. In other words, the light's going to shine. The light's going to reveal. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye... Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. So we see that. We see that. We see where we're, we're called to as far as, amen, God calling us into the light. Into the light. Amen. So we got to walk as children of the light. Okay. And it should be, it should be. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 4. Let's go back into the Old Testament here in, in uh, Proverbs chapter 4. And uh, let's read this. And just remember, I'm just reading scripture to you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. How many of you ever really tried to comprehend and understand what John mentioned in, in 1 John <coughs> chapter 3? Or 3 John, excuse me. 3 John, I think it's 2, he, he, says, he says this, I would that ye would prosper even as your soul prospers. We think about that. We can. If anybody 
listen to what the Word said Sunday, we can perfect holiness. Right. That's right. Amen. Huh? That's right. We can. That's right. That doesn't mean we're holier than thou. But we can perfect holiness. In other words, we can perfect our walk with God, our life in such that, guess what? We don't want to have anything to do with sin. Right. We are going to stay separated. Yeah. Does that mean we're better than everybody? No, it doesn't. It just means that we don't want to have anything to do with sin. Wow. So we can grow, we can perfect holiness. And so, when John says that, I would that ye would prosper. Guess what? We can prosper. Your life can grow. And and you can grow in the Spirit. Your life can become better and better. As you prosper, as your soul prospers, as you seek God, as you put God first in your life, and you follow Him, you humble yourself to Him, you're obeying His will. Guess what? Your soul is going to prosper. Amen. And your life is going to prosper. Amen. Right. It's going to get better and better. Right. Now that's not hard to understand. He says here in Proverbs 4.18 He says this. Look what he says. But the path of the just, that's you and I, The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. In other words, as the day continues to go on, the light gets brighter. Are you listening? Yes. So your life can get better. Your life can get brighter. But that's up to you. Yes. Right. We're still talking about the light. So you think about you think about it. What's one more passage of scripture concerning the lampstand, and then we'll switch over. We'll move over to the altar of incense. John chapter nine, verse number five, and I will be. Uh, I'm having these uh, outlines of these everything that we're studying as far as the holy place, everything that we're, I'm going to have the outlines done. So when I have the outlines, it'll be for anybody that wants to get the outlines and study them on your own. And if you want, I'll even give you a copy of one of these too. So, uh, amen. John chapter 9, verse number 5, it says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He is the light of the world. When you walk in the Spirit, when you walk in the Spirit, that's what people see. When you're illuminated with the Holy Ghost, that's what people see. They see you and they know you're different. When that your light is shining, your light has to be shining. And they know you're different. Because you're lighting this world up with His light. Praise God. So the next article of furniture is the altar of incense right here. Right here in the diagram. Right before. You notice all these, all these 
three articles of furniture, they all are placed in the holy place. They are all there in the holy place. So in other words, if you if you service, if you minister at all three of these, amen, places in the in the holy place, guess what that guess what that means? You're going to be in a holy place. <laughs> right. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's good. Amen. Amen. That's good. He said, Be holy, for I am holy. Right. Amen. That's what he said, didn't he? he did. So as long as we attend to all these, as long as we minister to all these, symbolically, guess what? You're going to be kept in the holy place. Praise God. Well, the next article is the altar of incense. Let's go to Exodus 30. Exodus chapter 30 and... uh, Yep. Amen. Let's read the scriptures concerning. Uh, just to kind of give you a little, you know, uh, help you to understand. You notice that in, in the book of Exodus, he gave Moses all the instructions pertaining to the tabernacle, its construction, and, the, and all the furniture, and then the priesthood, all the garments of the priesthood. In Exodus, he's given them all the instruction. You'll notice that in the book of Leviticus, they're actually going through, you know, as far as the consecration and anointing of the tabernacle, the, the all the tabernacle furniture, and then the priesthood, the garment. So you're, you're seeing the, the commandment, and then it's repeated again in the book of Leviticus in certain passages of Scripture. You're seeing them fulfill, and, and when they sanctify, when they consecrate, and they anoint and they sanctify the ministry and they sanctify all the articles of furniture and the tabernacle itself and they and when they do that they offer the sacrifices they apply the blood so that it can be ready they can be ready for service so god gives us instruction god speaks to us and he gives us instruction he lets us know what we are to do And we follow through his plan. We follow his plan according to his word. And when we know what we need to do, just like this, you knew that you had to repent of your sins. You knew repentance was the beginning of salvation, the first step of salvation. So what did you do? You repented. You told the Lord you were going to turn your life around. You, You repented of all your sins. And then what did you do? You humbled yourself to water baptism in the name of the, Lord of, Je- of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So you washed away all the sins that you, amen, brought upon you during your lifetime. And after that, they were gone. Can you imagine that? All your sins being gone? Wow, what a, what a state of being to, to be in. Amen. Amen. Because Amen. along with sin is, is death and curse. That's right. So he took all that away from you. And then what did he do? He filled you with the Holy Ghost. Yes. Amen. That's right. Amen. Amen. Because you obeyed his word. That's 
So he prepared you, and now you're ready. Now you're a saint of God. Now you have come into the royal tribe of Judah, and, and you're, you have become part of the, the royal priesthood, the holy nation. Praise God. Yeah, a peculiar people. So think about that. We need to let that sink in. Amen. That's right. What a what a calling. Yes. Amen. Hey, if I you know, and I and I did, because back in the eighties I wanted I, I, I knew in my life I had to change something. I knew what it was all about, so when I repented and I got the Holy Ghost and I got baptized in Jesus' name, I was I tell you what, I wanted my life to change. How many of you Amen. want your life to change? Yes. Because it's a continual process yes. of humbling yourself to do the will of God yes. and to live for God. Amen. Not for myself, not in sin, not in the world. Okay? Well, let's get back to the Bible study. Exodus 30, verse number 1, you have it say, Amen. Amen. And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon of shittim wood, shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof, and, the, and a cubit the breadth thereof, four square shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof, the horns thereof, shall be of the same. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof and the sides thereof, round about and the horns thereof, and thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. And two golden rings shalt thou make to, to it under the crown of it by the two corners thereof, Upon the two sides of it shall thou make it, and they shall be for the places for the staves to bear it withal. Now notice where the rings are situated on the altar of incense. Below the crown. Now I've seen pictures. I've seen pictures where obviously they didn't pay attention to the scriptures because the rings are right below the crown, the top of the ark. But like right here, let's say this is the crown. The rings are, were put right here, but I've seen pictures where the staves were situated at the foot. Obviously, they misinterpreted. He said below the crown. So in other words, it was right by here the staves were. So, so, so we, need to, we need to pay attention to the intricate details of God's word. We can't, get, we can't deviate. One little iota. Right. That's right. So we see that. And verse number four. Uh, and, the, and two golden rings shalt thou make to it under the crown of it by two corners thereof upon the two sides of it shalt thou make it and they shall be for places for the staves to bury it withal. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold, and thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat 
that is over the testimony where I will meet with thee. And Aaron, now pay attention, and Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. And ye shall offer no strange fires, no strange incense thereon, nor burn sacrifice, nor meat offering, neither shall ye pour drink offering thereon. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of the of atonements. Once in a year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. So we see here, here's the instructions concerning the altar of incense. Of course, the altar of incense typifies the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is it? Because the altar of incense basically symbolizes intercession. And he was, of course, our mediator. When we talk about intercession, that means somebody that stands in the gap. And in this case, somebody that stands in the gap between God and man. So, an intercessor. The altar of incense basically is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ because here we see the, the materials that are made out of it. It's, it's construction. Shittim wood again. Acacia. And of course, acacia, uncorruptible wood. Symbolizing the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was sinless. And the gold represented his deity. So obviously representation of his humanity and of his deity. Amen. And, and we see this. The altar of incense is a type of Jesus. Our intercessor. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. And uh, verse number uh, 25. Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 25. And look what it says here. Hebrews 7, 25. says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Now let me tell you something. Of course, we're, we're talking about the uh, altar of incense. We're talking about the altar of incense. But look what it says about him. It's, it's making a statement about him. Guess what? Even right now. Mm -hmm. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Did you realize this? How many of you ever think about this? How many of you even ever read the word? And you come across this passage, do you think about it? That even right now as I speak, <laughs> guess where he's at? Amen. He's up in heaven. He's interceding for you and I. Amen. Right now. So when you're going through something, 
Remember, you have a mediator. Huh? Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. So remember what we just read in Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 25. Even right now, we have a mediator. So he says this. He died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So that's what he's doing even right now. Praise God. We have a we have a go-between. We have an intercessor. Amen. His name is Jesus. And uh, so we can see, you know, the reason why we, when we talk about uh, uh, the altar of incense and and the reason that the purpose of the altar of incense and and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm going back to uh, if you still have your fingers there in Exodus chapter 30. I'm going back to verses uh, 7 and 8. And uh, verses 7 and 8, just to kind of get a glimpse, just to get a look at that again, to, to understand what we're talking about. And Aaron shall burn their own sweet incense every morning. Every morning, sweet incense. Every morning when he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it. A perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. Look what he says. A perpetual incense. Now we're talking about the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now we're talking about the ministry of Jesus Christ. So let me tell you something. A perpetual, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout all your generations. So you think about it. Even right now as we speak for you and I, he is interceding for us before the throne of God right now. A perpetual. When the high priest went in there in the morning, he offered incense. When he went in there in the evening to, to maintenance the candlesticks or the lampstand, he offered incense. It was an ongoing. Huh? An ongoing service of burning incense. So what does that mean? What does that mean? It's, it's nice to understand the purpose of incense and why they burnt incense. What was, what was the whole purpose of that? What does that mean? Because it, it does, it means something. It means something. So when we go to Psalms chapter uh, 141, and uh, you read there in Psalms 141, and verse number, uh, let me see if I can find it, 141, verse number 2, I believe it is, you'll see here in Psalms 141. Look what the psalmist said here in, in Psalm 141. And praise God. He says, Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. So incense, the altar of incense represented prayer. 
Let my prayer be set before be set forth before thee in as incense and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Woo! Oh man, there's a beautiful thought here. I won't I won't get into it right now. But I don't want to get sidetracked, but there's a beautiful thought there. I was gonna I'd probably be in the next 10, 15 minutes probably. But praise God. Think about that. That's what our prayer is like. That's what he did. That's what he did. He interceded. He interceded. Go to go to Luke chapter 22 and, and verse uh, Luke 22 and verse uh, I believe it's 22 or 32 or Okay, yeah. Verse verse number 32. Look, at, He's talking about Simon Peter here. Luke 22, verse number 31. We'll start with, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So, in essence, Jesus was saying, I interceded for you. I prayed for you. Man, I tell you what. Well, we're going to touch it out here in a few moments here. About you know, what it is. Intercessory. Prayer. Incense. What we're talking about here. Why it's really needful for us to understand that purpose of the altar of incense. In the church, the incense typifies the prayers of the saints. It does. He was our intercessor. Now we're intercessors. Because of his intercession for us, now we can intercede for others. I'm not trying to make it sound tongue-tied. But there's a powerful thing about prayer. Intercessory prayer. There's a powerful thing about it. Brother David, in men's meeting the other night, he was talking about, he was sharing with the brethren some of the history of our early meetings in, in White River, and he talked about the all-night prayer meetings. When we would get together and we would just pray, we weren't concerned about an hour or two hours. We were just concerned about touching God. So we interceded. We prayed all night. That's what you call intercessory prayer. Not this one hour, two hour stuff. Ooh, man. Because of that, we've seen some remarkable things. We've seen God answer prayer remarkably. We've seen miracles happen. Unbelievable. Because of intercessory prayer. Guess what? That's why it's important for you to learn to have a prayer life. Learn how to talk to God. Learn how to commune with Him. Because if you really did sincerely seriously and sincerely had a prayer life with God, man, you, you are a powerhouse. 
You're a powerhouse. We'll get to that later. Revelations chapter 5, verse number 8, talking about uh, the prayers, <clears throat> the insight, incense are, is a type of prayer of the saints. In Revelation 5, verse number 8, look what it says here. Uh, it says in Revelation 5, verse number 8, it says, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lord, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Revelation 8, 3 and 4 says this, And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. We look at the connection. Much incense that he should offer with the prayers. Incense and prayers always went together. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. So the smoke of the incense ascended up. Wow. Think about that. It ascended up. Oh. I feel like preaching right now. But this is just showing us, this is just giving us understanding Luke chapter 1, and let's look at this example here in Luke chapter 1, and maybe I'll preach a little bit here, Lord willing here, just in a little while here. But Luke chapter 1, verses 10, it says this, Amen, and, and praise God, and find it. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Anybody notice where the angel was standing? The right side. On the right side. On the right side. Mm -hmm. The Bible doesn't say the left side. It says the right side. Mm -hmm. He was standing in the power. The right side, figuratively, is the power. He was standing on the right side of the altar of incense. He was standing on the in the power of prayer. He was there because of prayer. Here's, here's something we're gonna hit, we're gonna hit that here. Just, just hold on, just be just kind of be patient with me a little bit here. One more piece of scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I'm just I, I wanna present these so you can understand what I'm talking about. But remember, we're called to intercede. Jesus was our intercessor. And now we're called to intercede. Now we're intercessors. 
Now, we're called to offer up incense. We're called to offer up prayer. So in First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 20, it says this, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So in other words, we're in His stead. We're in His place. He is our high priest right now in heaven making intercessory prayers for us. But guess what? We're to intercede for our fellow man. So we're in Christ's stead. Now, I want to bring this to your attention. When we look at the scriptures, why is it? Why? Why is it? Because you, you have to ask yourself the question when you see certain things in the Word of God, and this was God by God's design, but why is it in, in the, when talking about the altar of incense and, and, and going back to Exodus 30 and, and verses 2 and 3, look what it says, a cubit shall be the length thereof and a cubit the breadth thereof. Four squares shall it be and two cubits shall be the height thereof. Now look what he says, the horns thereof, the horns thereof shall be of the same. So it's talking about horns that are on the corners of the altar of incense. Now why does the altar of incense have horns that are constructed, built on it? Verse number 3. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof. And thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. So the horns have to be overlaid with gold too. Verse number 10. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in a year shall he make atonement upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto the Lord. So, so my question, why horns? Anybody want to know? Why did the Lord attach horns to the altar of incense? They protruded, they came out. Almost seemed like it didn't really fit its design. But here was horns protruding out of the altar of incense. Horns you would relate to a, a bullock or a ram. But why is it horns on the altar of incense? What is, what's the whole purpose of horns? Well, simply put, horns symbolize power. So obviously the altar of incense not only symbolized the intercessory prayers and the, and the odors that went up into heaven, but they also symbolize power. So in other words, guess what? When we pray... When we pray, guess what happens? We are empowered. We are given power through God's Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit, we're given power. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Jude, 
Building up your most holy faith. How do we do that? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Right. Building up your most holy faith. There's nothing like praying. Praying through. That's why you feel good when you pray through. Amen. And that's why you don't feel that good when you don't pray through. Right. Leave the altar. Defeat it. Facing the same old things and being overcome because you did not pray through. You didn't grab a hold of the horns of the altar. Here's another thing. What made the cloud of incense rise up? What made the cloud of incense rise up from the altar of incense? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're close there. You're close. What what was the incense poured on? Hot coals. So because it was poured on hot coals, that's what that's where the Amen. The smoke came from it, rose up because it was poured on hot coals. Otherwise, if the coals weren't hot, there would be no smoke that would rise. So that smoke that rose entered up, and that's what God, that's what God inhaled, and that's what he smelled. That sweet odor. That savor. He called it a savor. When he smelled it, he went, the prayers of my, my people. Okay? Okay, so what? that's what made the incense rise up from the, uh, the, the smoke rise up from the altar of incense. Because of the fact that it was poured upon red hot coals. If there was no red hot coals, there would be no smoke ascending off of the altar of incense. What does that tell you? This represents the difference between saying prayers and praying through. Because we can say our prayers, but are we praying through? So when you come in here and you're reserved, why is it we all think that this is a sign of prayer? I've, I've seen so many pictures of them when they talk about prayer. It's always like, yeah. Yeah. why is it? You know what that tells me? That means, that means you're just, you're reserved. Yeah. It could be a sign of reverence. I can understand that. But a sign of prayer, why is it? People think that when we pray, you know, like, you know, yeah, yeah, there's times when we meditate. I meditate. 
I meditate on the Lord. There's times in my mind I'm saying, talking to myself and talking to him. But when I want to talk to him, guess what? I don't sit there and my mouth is not closed. And I don't just utter prayers. I don't just say them because guess what? There's a difference between praying a prayer and there's a difference between praying through. You ever wonder where that term came, praying through? It's not because, because our prayers have to reach heaven. And you have to have enough faith that your prayers are going to reach heaven. But if you don't put faith and you don't put fervency in your prayers, if your coals aren't red hot. Right. Amen. Is that sound? Amen. Well, I have I have scripture. The effectual, look what he says. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know what that means? Red hot. I try not to be a judge. I'm not a judge. I'm a pastor. But there's some things I notice about people, especially when it comes to prayer and stuff like that. I'm just kind of like, because I know what we were talking. I know what I experienced when I got the Holy Ghost. Guess what? I wasn't quiet. I was desperate. I said, Lord, I give up. And all of a sudden, boom, that's all he was waiting for. Woo, there I was, start speaking in tongues. Where's that coming from? That was coming from me. How do, why do we think that? If we just go up there and we're just quiet and we just, you know, half mass, looking down. When the Holy Ghost comes from up there, it doesn't come from down. Amen. Why do you think you can... You can get the victory. When we're, the Bible says, born from above. Where does the Holy Ghost come from? Come from heaven. Come from above. So why don't we look up like we want God to bless us? Why don't we lift our hands? Amen. Amen. That is is the the disposition or that's the position that God wants us in. And open your mouth wide, he says, so I can fill it. Because that's not really praying. You're just mumbling. Mumbling. And then we wonder why. That's why so many people leave the altar and they go, if that's God, no, God's not like that. If you really sincerely pray through, pray through, you got to push your prayers. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Guess what? There's always turmoil around the people of God. Why? The devil doesn't want you having victory. And the devil doesn't want you being delivered. The devil doesn't want you being healed. That's why we have to be fervent. You've got to act like you want it, Oz. All the time. Not just when you feel like it. Well, I need the Holy Ghost today. 
<laughs> well, if that's your attitude, he's never going to give you the Holy Ghost. Because yeah. he wants you to have the Holy Ghost every day. Yeah. Yeah. Walking in the Spirit every day. Woo! So he says, the effectual fervent prayer, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You ever wonder? You ever wonder this? You ever wonder why? Listen to this. Woo -hoo -hoo -hoo. I get so excited when the Lord puts something on me, and I just go, "Woo!" Okay, I'm sorry about that, but I just get so excited. Amen. Because. Here's the thing. God wants us to know, doesn't he? Yes. God wants Go with me to John chapter 15. In, in, uh, 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 amen. Just kind of bring, bring some things. Just expound on something here. John chapter 15. And, and look what it says. John chapter 15 and verse number... Uh, uh, verse number 7. John 15 verse number 7. Look what he says. If... Ye abide in me. You see how he starts it out? Right. If ye abide in me. And my words abide in you. Ye shall ask what ye will. And that shall be done unto you. But what's the stipulation? If ye abide in me. In other words, you've got to be in Christ Jesus. You've got to be in His Spirit. If ye abide with me, guess what? Let me tell you something. That's the reason why a lot of times our prayers are never answered. Because we're not in the Spirit. Here we are. We want God to do something for us. But the secret of the power of prayer is, if ye abide in me. Amen. And you shall ask what you will. And it will be done for you. Amen. Done unto you. Woo! Amen. I always remember Brother David talking about Brother Zach. Brother Zach was asking for a wife. And so Brother David, he went to Brother David and Sister Darla. He said, okay, we'll help you pray for a wife. What kind of wife? So he told him what kind of wife he wanted. So they said, Brother Zach, he said, remember, you better be careful. God's going to give you what you asked for. So they said, okay, I understand. So they prayed for him. They prayed for him for a wife. And they prayed just exactly what the wife he wanted. Amen. A few months later, they were in a service in Sioux Falls preaching for Brother Mac Henderson. He said, in walks these young ladies, foreign students, uh, uh, exchange students. But they were filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name. Young ladies, beautiful young ladies. And, and Brother Zach even named the, the country that he wanted them to be from. And so they come in, and after service, they were fellowshipping, and they walked up to Brother Zach, and they started talking to him, Brother Zach and Brother David. And boy, he, they didn't beat around the bush. They asked Brother Zach, are you married? And he stumbles around, no, 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 no I'm, not, I'm not married. And they said, and they said, uh, praise God. And, and so they were talking. Brother David and Sister Darla just were kind of helping them. Here they were talking to those young ladies. So they asked them. He said, "Where are you? Where are you from?" Because they said, "We're, we're uh, exchange students. Where are you from?" So when they told them where they are from, the exact country Brother Zach was praying for a wife to come from. 
and he got all flabbergasted. He couldn't even talk. He was just in, in shock. So Brother David said, Brother Zach, remember what you prayed for? <laughs> right. Here they are. Right. And there he was. Just, uh, <laughs> you don't think your prayers have power? Right. Your prayers can have power, but the, the thing about it is, if ye abide in me, right. if you are in the Spirit, if you abide in Him, guess what? You can ask what you Amen. What? And it will be done unto you. That's how much God will, will answer your prayer. Amen. But it seems like every time we offer the prayer, it's always a prayer of repentance. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, forgive me for this. Why are you asking for forgiveness? If you have a heart to want to live for God, you will never sin. Man, I wish some of you would hear that. Because to be honest with you, there's some of you that are just playing around. Yeah. Yeah. Just playing around. Playing with God. But guess what? It's going to catch up with you. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. It's going to catch up with you. Luke 11. Another passage of scripture we can look at. Oh, man. Just give me a little more time, if you please. Luke 11. and uh, We're still talking about the altar of incense, by the way. Verse number one. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he sees, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. So here we see an example of him teaching to pray. But look what he says here in Luke 18, verse number 1. Look what he says about prayer. When he was, he was, when he was expounding on prayer. But look, this is what he says about it. And verse number 1 in, in Luke 18. And he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's the secret. We will not fall or fail if we always pray. We are always to pray and not to faint. In other words, don't let yourself get weak. Why are you always so weak? Because you don't pray. That's one of the first questions I ask somebody when they're going through something. Have you been praying? Well, if you if you were praying like you should, you'd have the victory. Matthew, can you can you give me some some minutes here? Okay, Matthew twenty one, Matthew twenty one. Uh, go ahead. <clears throat> I'll take a, a drink of water, and I'll try to take a thirty second drink of water. Matthew, what did I say? Twenty one. Yeah, okay, 21. Matthew 21. Matthew 21 and verses uh, 21 and 22. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith 
and doubt not. He shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if he shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. All things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. How many of you believe your prayers? It's kind of contrary when you pray a prayer and you don't believe it. Why do you pray it? <laughs> and, 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 and you're like the, the double-minded man, like James said. He's unstable in all his ways. Yeah. That person won't receive anything of the Lord. That's what he said. So when you pray, pray believing. Pray believing. And God... God will do the rest if you pray believing. Here's the thing about the altar of incense. Now, we're just touching on a few highlights and a few points. Remember I mentioned about the staves? So obviously the altar of incense, of course, when they were on their journey through the wilderness, going, you know, coming from uh, Egypt and going into the promised land, they journeyed for 40 years. 40 years they journeyed, so all the the tabernacle and everything inside the tabernacle, it all had to be carried. So that's the reason why they had the staves upon the altar. So obviously in their journeys, in their journeys, the altar had to be carried by the priest wherever they went. The altar incense was carried on staves. Wherever we are in our journey with the Lord, we can carry with us the powerful weapon of prayer. So wherever you go, whatever you do, you can carry it. You can carry it with you. God's given us a means. Exodus uh, 30 and verse number 8 and we'll go, we'll, be, we'll go back to that just for this last portion for tonight anyway uh, Amen Exodus 30 and verse number 8 and, and look what he's talking about here in verse number 8 and when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even he shall burn it in, incense upon it a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout the generations a perpetual incense in other words Something that it's always, it always has to be done. Perpetual. Perpetual. And we just read that scripture where Jesus said, men are always to pray and not to faint. Amen. We are always to pray and not to faint. So when you pray, when you're praying always, and not to faint, because he said it's a perpetual. Perpetual. Look what he says. Look what he says there in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And, and verse number uh, 17. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 17. We, we are all probably familiar with this passage of scripture. But this is what it says in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 
verse number 17. Pretty simple. Just three words. Pray without ceasing. <laughs> pray without ceasing. Now, now I, I, want, I, want you, I want to bring this. This is the closing point for tonight. This is the closing point. We're talking about the holy place. We're talking about the table of showbread. The table and the showbread, the five, amen, uh, pieces of showbread. And the candlestick, the lampstand, the menorah, and the altar of incense. We're talking about that. Remember when Jesus was speaking to his disciples in the book of John, chapter 14. He alluded to something. You ever realize what he was talking about? You know what? Because here they were, they all had knowledge. Not just of the tabernacle, they had knowledge of the temple. So the only way that Jesus could ever bring anything that they were familiar with or they could understand, he had to use a type. So obviously Jesus was talking about, amen, what was there in the temple. And when he referred to everything that was there, this is what he said. He said, no man can come unto the Father but by me. In other words, the priest could not go into the holy place unless he followed the order of service to be able to get into the Holy of Holies. So he had to follow every place. He had to start at the altar and then the labor and then the showbread and the candlesticks and the incense before he could get to the Ark of the Co Oh, here, here, here. I, I almost forgot about something. Give me a few more minutes. But when, when the Bible says that they took the blood once a year from the atonement, the sacrifice, the, the sacrifice of the atonement. They took the blood once a year and they put it on the horns of the altar. So the blood was applied once a year. Why do you think we always say this? I plead the blood. Yeah. Is that part of your prayer? Yeah. Because they took the blood and they anointed the, the horns of the altar with the blood. So in other words, when we say, Lord, I plead your blood. You know what? You're asking God to strengthen you. Anoint you, the horns of the altar. Why? Wow, they did that. And you know what? Aren't we supposed to plead his blood? In, in 1 John chapter 1, he says to plead his blood. Plead his blood. Okay, getting back to what I was saying. Acts says, No man can come unto the Father but by me. No man can come unto the Father but by me. In other words, he was telling them, You can't access the presence of God unless you come by me. You know what he was talking about? He was talking about not just himself, but he was talking about the articles of the furniture. The articles of furniture and the holies of holies. Why? Because you have to visit each one of these. You have to minister to in, at each one of these stations in the holy place. So what did Jesus call that? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he is our way. He is our truth. He is our life. This is how when we minister will be in the holy place. We'll stop for tonight. Thank you very much for your patience and God bless you and have a good rest of the evening and see you this Sunday. Amen.
Hallelujah.